fright rags, horror apparel, and accessories. <laughs> if you're a horror fan, then Fright Rags is the place for you. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003. Officially licensed collections, including fan favorites such as Halloween, The Evil Dead, Creepshow, and tons more. No matter what type of horror you are into, Fright Rags has you covered head to toe. Offering a wide range of exclusive products from your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Metal Hand of God listeners get 10% off when they use the code MHOG10 at the checkout. So don't miss out on your favorite horror apparel and accessories you can only get from Fright Rags. That's fright-rags.com. And remember, use MHOG10 at the checkout for 10% off your purchase at frightrags.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and you know that fine gentleman over there sitting at the dock of the bay, drinking some wine, thinking about time going away. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, you know, they call me the rum guy. You see, last time you gave me a whole lot of shit for not even giving you a, um, a little rundown, so this time I'm giving you a little extra long one. <laughs> I see that. Well, uh, we have an amazing guest with us today. We do. We have an awesome guest today and uh, our good friend, our friend now, uh, Vlad. What's happening, man? Greetings, and how you doing? We're doing great, dude. Thank you for doing our show. No problem, no problem. Um, and, and just for you, I'm up at this time of the day. Right, I was about <laughs> to say, it's pretty early for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I apologize, but, you know, we got a few things happening out here. I got, I got two lovely storms coming to visit, and uh, so the earlier the the better for us to get this no. over with. So. But, um, again, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and rearranging your schedule to, to no. get on a little early uh but let everybody know who you are and what you're all about well my name is vlad and, and i'm a gothic magician i know most people have heard of magician before but uh a long time ago when the first mystery school that jeff mcbride created came about nice. i created a style called gothic magic which was taking little bits and pieces from horror films, literature, uh, and blending them into what was called at the time bizarre magic. But I didn't like the term bizarre because I, I didn't bite the heads off chickens. And right. I you know, was sort of looking for something that was eerie, spooky, that people would immediately know what the word gothic was, except for the people that went to Hot Topic. And uh, <laughs> so... You know, I brought this thing about where it was gothic magic, which was taking little bits of horror, literature, atmosphere, interactive theater, and mixing them with stage magic to bring about, uh, as Jeff called it, it's like st seeing Stephen King live. Wow. So that, that's what I created. That's a, very, that's a very nice compliment, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's a, when he said it, I was like, cool, I appreciate that. You know, and I got into magic from a weird way. I didn't get into it like a lot of other people as, you know, a child prodigy and doing all of the little birthday party things and twisting balloons and all the other good stuff. Uh, I started out doing haunted attractions. And oh, cool. I was doing special effects makeup and theming rooms and designing stuff. And the guy that ran the haunted house had been a magician. And he goes, 
Um, when you're helping me build illusions into the room, you're doing magic. So you might want to think about getting into magic as a career. And I went, don't you sort of have to be born into a family, the seventh son of a seventh <laughs> son? And, you know, they bring you out to the sacred grove by candlelight. He goes, no, you go to a meeting. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it sounds like AA. He goes, well, it's kind of like that, except without donuts. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, and you've and you've been doing this for how long now? Over since 1985. So wow. that's what. You well, know. you started. What where were you? Ten? Uh, no, I'm. I was born in 1961. I'm ancient. Oh. So, oh, wow. <laughs> ah, come on, you're not ancient. That's not ancient. No, Wayne's ancient. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people that remembers actually running from school, you know, after school to the stationery store and actually buying uh, famous monsters of Filmland off nice. of the newsstand. So, wow. Yeah, I used to love those days, man, where you could go to like the the the. the uh, what do you call it? Um, not the gas station, but you know, like the drug you know, store, like stationery stores, newsstands, the little like, drug you know, stores and things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and you can go yep. in and buy. You would look at the really cool magazines. We, I, I know, I'd look at like uh, the Fangora and the yep. and and the, um, the, uh, the 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 music. You know, the metal music magazines, and and then that you would kind of try to take a peek at like the dirty ones that are in the corner that you like. Trying to peek at well, the when I was when I was doing when I was buying the stuff, we were we were thankfully like at that cusp where we had famous monsters and we had creepy and eerie, and then for the titillation factor, we had Vampirella. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. The vampire pinup that was on the cover, you know. So <laughs> that was that was uh, that's a good memory. I yeah. mean, I, I I remember that as well. Uh, but I mean, the, you said you memory. started uh, before you started into the magic thing. You were doing uh, the theatrical makeup and stuff, uh, yeah. special effects stuff. Is is that something that you're familiar with, or did you just Excuse get me. into that because of your love for the the, the genre? Or yeah, because I was into horror films since I was five. I mean, my grand my grandmother babysat one time and got sort of lectured by my mother because she let me watch Frankenstein when I was five. <laughs> so. You know, from then, it was just sort of like monster love constantly. So that's fantastic. Um, I looked the stuff up and I came across, you know, different books and I started researching it. And then uh, my first my first round of attempting to go to college and you know, the second one was successful. The first one, not so much. But the first <laughs> one, I ran into the guy that ran the haunted house and he goes, hey, you know, do you want to do this? So I learned all kinds of, you know, mold making, how to do animatronics, how to theme rooms, how to, wow. you know, how important duct tape and hot glue was. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's amazing because um, a lot of people don't get to have that uh, that type of opportunity to do that and to have someone actually show you that to get you involved with it. I think that's very cool. Yeah, and it was a good experience because you learned it from the ground up, like you said, and it's sort of you know instead of just walking through and seeing the stuff, you were you were behind the scenes, you know, building stuff. I mean, it gets tedious after a while when you decide to do like twenty six rooms, and you know, all of a sudden the twenty fifth <laughs> one, you're like, can this end? <laughs> right, but. Well, and and your style of magic um, that that you've created, would you consider that more of a, a kind of an up close type magic, or how? I like to, I like to think of it as a cabaret. So it's in between close up. I mean, I do stuff that is close up, mm-hmm. but it's it's cabaret. So it's it'll I max out at about two hundred. Okay. You know, it's like if if there's a room that's like way over because I was actually doing Trans World, which is the international Halloween you know, trade show convention. Mm -hmm. And I bumped into the guy that was the stage manager for D Schneider. Oh, wow. And they were doing that Van Helsing's curse thing. Oh yeah. 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 And he was like, Oh dude, your thing would work great with, you know, let me, let me introduce you to D and I'm like, I only do shows for like 200 people. And he goes, Oh, Oh, well we're doing shows for like 2000 and above. And I go, yeah, no, (laughs) I'm like, I appreciate the offer and everything, but I'm not an illusionist. I'm like, that's that's like six tractor trailers, 12 assistants, and four dancers, you know, right. along with lighting trusses and everything else. I'm like, yeah. I'm not in that category. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's big stuff. Like, um, we... Um me and my boss actually do he does magic in new orleans and uh he does a uh, new orleans based show he has mm-hmm. he has two versions he has a haunted show and he has a uh, a normal show the haunted show he only does when it's you know closer to halloween that kind of thing but it's all stories and stuff that uh mm-hmm. coincide with new orleans 
Um, and, um, he, uh, it's a small parlor parlor show, you know, like we, we may do it the most we've ever done in front of us a hundred people. Cause we, you know, that's for a small parlor show. You can't really have more than that. Cause that's a lot of people crowded in this little bitty room and they all, yep. and not everybody's hey, going to be able to see, you know, it's like you're pre- preaching to the choir there. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I, I know your pain by, by yeah. them offering you this big show. And then it's like, well, we really can't do that. You know, we can't because really it, fit it that loses, many people in. To me, it loses, it loses the, the intensity and the, you, you, now you're like sort of looking at somebody that's, I mean, you know, when you do that size show, you're looking at like a you're looking at magic rock star, you're right? Not looking at yeah. a regular performer because you got to be able to like really be in shape and be able to move well and everything else. You know, I'm old. I use a cane. Uh, I'm <laughs> used to like you know leering at people and and using you know body body m- movement and things like that to creep people out yeah. not run across the stage and jump in a box you know? yeah, yeah psychological stuff you know like make yeah. Them, yeah yeah make them really thinking things uh yeah because yeah, i mean there's nothing creepier than like sort of like a vampire invading your personal space on stage right because there's no way there is no way in hell uh i personally could do a quick change no way in hell yeah. not even uh-uh. not even close um like i don't move that fast Ever. So if my boss ever wanted to do that, he better find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if there was a zombie apocalypse, I'd be the first one gone. Don't oh, that's bullshit. Running. I'd kick I you I usually down tell first. people if you see me running, I'm probably on fire. So. <laughs> Stop drop and roll. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so how have you been uh doing with all this uh COVID nonsense? What I decided to do, a lot of my friends jumped into the online and zoom market and everything else and and as i mentioned before i don't really think that the computer translates and like because people have enough problems justifying the existence of magic they're like ah you just your hands are quick or you have something that i don't have and so if it's on a computer screen i go here select one of these cards and they go yeah you're just ducking down below the screen you know so If I have to worry about losing the atmosphere, which is a key point of, I mean, I'm trying to get as close to having people experience a paranormal event as they can. So to me, it's like if I'm, I'm competing against, you know, Friday the 13th and the new Halloween film, if I'm trying to do magic on a computer. Right. So I use this time and, you know, a lot of people are going to, Sort of like, I mean, I know magicians go, I don't know where you're going with that, <laughs> but I decided to create a new, a new side magic show, um, which is based on serial killers. Nice. So uh, I, I like started that. researching serial killers, started actually getting real artifacts, found a place that the guy was recreating little mini houses. Like I just got. The le- the last resort, which was the bar that they grabbed Eileen Warnos from, yeah, yeah, it still exists uh, too in Florida. Yeah. yeah, and I have like the Amityville house. I have John Wayne Gacy's house. I have miniatures. I have the H H Holmes Murder Hotel. So yeah. I have miniatures of all these houses. You, you need to tell me where, like, not right now, but like later on, if you want, you tell me where you get those from because that's very okay. cool. And I wanted to try and do like this weird thing where you would go to the show. And there would be this like mini black murder museum that you would walk through before you got into the show. And then we would do a theatrical seance where you sat the people down and in the seance, instead of trying to contact their long lost sister or finding the gold bracelet that grandma never told you where it was before she died. I wanted to put them in a room and go, you know what, this evening, I can't tell you who's going to show up but I have artifacts from 15 of the top serial killers that were executed. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's cool. That's intense. Yeah. That yeah, was intense. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, bro, that'd be super intense, man. I, I dig that. I dig that a lot. Cause it's like, people have never like seen it. It's like sort of like, have you know, most people, if you talk to them, they, you know, I mean, that's like sort of my, my version of flirting. It's like, so, so who's your favorite serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a friend that, uh, collects murderabilia. And okay. her, cool. and her, her, and her husband have tons of stuff, like personalized letters from people. Yeah. Um, like they spend lots of money, and they get like 
top-notch stuff. Like what they have a Gacy painting. They have mm-hmm. you know they have a lot of really cool and bizarre it's, things. It's an interesting interesting genre to run with. I can uh, to I can see it using it for for what you're what you're using it for to to create that intense yes. show atmosphere. I can see it. Uh, for displaying in your living room, it seems a little weird to me. Well, yeah, and that's what sort of like you know relatives would go. What do you why why do you have a letter from Henry Lee Lucas? And I because it's part of the show. And you know, <laughs> that's a go, good excuse. Being yeah. you know, I, I don't have that excuse. <laughs> I just buy stuff. Um, yeah, and, and they go. So what what is that like little card there? And I go. Oh, that's part of a crumbled part of the soul from Richard Ramirez's shoe. And I go. You know, <laughs> Yeah, like um, uh, the guy who well, he passed away a couple years ago, um, who was my tattoo artist. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he was from England, and he is uh, his name was English Craig, real famous, you know, tattoo artist, real real good guy. He was friends with like Billy Idol and okay. and the guys from the Sex Pistols. Like they, he actually showed me a picture of them together, uh, where one of them was laying on the floor just right after he shot up heroin, was passed out on the ground, and they mm-hmm. took a picture. You know, so it was like. Anyway, but um, he was a big collector, and he actually had like uh, in the shop was like the the corner piece of the fireplace where the Tate murders happened, and uh-huh. like that corner piece was supposedly if you you know blacklighted or whatever, still had blood marks on it. You know, I'm like Jesus mm. Christ, dude, you got some. He spent a lot of money on that, of course, but you know it was a nice piece of the that history you know what was going on in there but um i've seen people pay out of you know for murderabilia out of their buttholes for stuff man sure um and i think a lot of it is like sort of like making the you know it's this weird friend network where you know you, yeah. you bump into these people and it's like you know because first people are like yeah how do you know that's real and it's like well you sort of like need to build a working relationship with these people and Correct. you know stuff that they have do you trust them and stuff you know it's like the first the first thing is are you going to ship them money like friends and family and not worry about getting ripped off right exactly well, exactly if they're yeah. not going to rip you off with that they're probably not going to rip you off with the memorabilia right right and, and i mean have you have you ever been to the murder museum the you talking about the one that's in uh there's the well there's the Alcatraz East which is in Pigeon Forge and then you got the one in uh, New Orleans, which is the Murder Death Museum, and That's then you the got one. the other one in California. Well, the, I haven't been to any of those. Well, the murder, the murder Death Museum here in, in New Orleans is, is the same people who own the one in, in California. Okay, the, that's just a they just opened two. This is the second one they opened. Um, I went well, the first week when they opened, and it was incredible the stuff that they have in there, man. If you ever get a chance to come down here and go, actually, if you yeah, ever, like to, if yeah. you ever come down here, let me know, and then we can go. I'll go cool. with I'll go with you, man. It's 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 okay. an incredible you know museum, and they have some like really really just odd things that you know I never thought I would see, like death masks of like Hitler and and like huh. weird really weird shit, you know. Like I'm like, what the hell is all this stuff? And that's and that's my thing with sort of like by building this, you know, because one of my friends goes, well, you know, uh, you have to realize that these are real victims, and I go, yeah. You have to realize that they're real victims when you're doing like shows about the Titanic and Jack the Ripper. Right. It's go, the same there, thing. There were real victims there too. Um, I'm like, I'm not making these people up as rock stars. I go, which there are people that that's their thing. Yes. I go. And of course I'll talk about that during, during, you know, my performance when I do it. But uh, I also talk about, you know, it's like, we're going to talk about the crimes. So here are some little models that show you, you know, I have a gallows and I have a little miniature like guillotine and I go, you know what? And this is what happened to some of those people. Right. So we're, we're I mean, going to show you that we're going to show you the final end of some of these people. And I have pictures of the gas chamber and the electric chair and, you know, hangings and things like that. So it's like we're going to talk. We're going to run the whole gambit. We're going to talk about what they did and we're going to talk about what happened to them. That's, yeah. that's interesting because it's it's bringing a sense of reality into into that show that one that people could identify with and then dazzling them with the uh with with the the acts of paranormal magic 
mm-hmm. in in their face as well to 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 heighten the already tense situation, giving them an interesting sensation. I really like that concept. I think Thanks, it's really, me too. Really good. Very yeah. interesting that. Uh, uh, and have you been able to? Are you still just working on it, or is this something? Yeah, I'm waiting for it to because um, I we had been doing a bunch of shows up at a place called the Lord Baltimore Hotel, which is in uh, Maryland, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's downtown and it's actually haunted because there were, you know, it was, it was built around the depression and some of the people went there and sort of didn't have enough money to pay their bills and chose that as their final exit. Um, so we had been doing a bunch of seances and ghost tours and it's right up the block, right down the block from Edgar Allan Poe's grave. Wow. Oh, okay. So we would, we were doing a bunch of shows there. So I'm sort of building all of this stuff. So it's in it's in a you know uh, a tote bin so when they give me the green light and they go yeah we're open again i can already have two or three shows ready to roll so that'll be awesome yeah. absolutely yeah. that'll be a, that'll be an awesome i, I, I would I figure, love to see that show I, I mean it's like to me it's like sort of it's I, I would rather use you know instead of altering the intensity of my show just to be able to you know for for what I would see it as, I mean, other people are getting a good benefit out of it, so I don't want to slam them for you know for it working for them. But uh, you know, for me, it's like sort of like I would rather work on the show itself versus you know just sort of uh, you know uh, doing something. I, I'll work on the show versus like doing a show that's lo- lower intensity. Right, so, right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Why not? No, why not? No work on the show instead of putting something out that's not worth yeah I know yeah because i'm not happy you know if i'm not happy with it and that's to me it's like people are like whoa you know i mean i i know plenty of people in the magic business that are like well i just do the show and i've been doing it for 25 years and i go are you still excited by your show no but i just do the show and i go then it's time to change the show right yeah right. you should you should you should it's, i mean that's why when you go see a musician play they don't play the same songs every time you see them they may yeah. play a few of the old ones that they are known for but then they throw in a bunch of other stuff that they're excited about because hey we got something new for you people you know and the spooky stuff drives me so it's like sort of when people talk about they go oh you know are you going to be able to sell it you know you know whatever i'd rather have i'd rather have 30 people that are really into my show sitting there than 50 of them that could care less right absolutely and does it does it take a while to to build segments of a show like that i mean is it i mean are you are you sitting there are you going through a book are you are you are you like getting inspiration and go i wonder if i could do this yeah there's there's not really any one you know that's what's sort of like the the magic thing it's like we're all chasing that you know fountain of youth thing but uh there's no one thing for creativity it's like sometimes it's the artifact that talks to you sometimes i'll i'll read a story and the story talks to me, so it's it's I have to build something around that story. Sometimes it's like a segment of a film, you know, so it's all these different things. And I go, wow, I got to run with that, you know, so it's it's all these different things that work together. I think it's sort of just if something speaks to you, you know, listen to it. Right. So. Well, that's the a, biggest. I mean, that's that. That could pretty much be said for a, a lot of creative process, I think, for for quite a different uh selection of genres that you you know and anything from painting to i mean what you do to me is as as if, and if people don't recognize it for any other reason it is truly an art form of what you do yeah. so um uh it, it to me it's no different than someone who's a a, a master painter or or uh, an amazing musician or whatever it's 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 amazing to see the difference in humanity in the creation of these amazing things that just bring a wonder to the stage yeah even even like smaller scale you used to see that when i you know back in the day when i used to go to the what were called the creation conventions at the time which were the science fiction fantasy comic book conventions and you'd see a lot of the big like comic illustrators sitting there and you'd walk by and you'd watch them and they'd be sort of staring off into space and then all of a sudden they just started like furiously drawing something you know, and it was like that moment where you're like, oh, he just sort of like came upon something and now he has to like give it life. Yeah. You know, that is so, so, so cool. Yeah. What do you think, Wayne? I mean, is, uh, with with your show that you do in New Orleans, I mean, is is it a similar situation? Because I'm 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 kind of I love magic. I lo- absolutely love it. And 
I have yet to see the show that Wayne does, but uh, they always do great. I hear great, great things about it and everything. So what, what would you say, Wayne, is the is something that you experience up on stage when you're when you're with the doctor? Oh, well, not much because I'm not really on stage with him normally. Uh, normally oh, okay. Yeah, normally, normally what I, I the way I'm situated is I just come out for a few seconds and like uh, and move stuff around for him while he sets up other things. But normally, I run all the uh, lighting effects and the music and everything from the side. And okay. like I said, like briefly, I'm out there. But I mean, I love you know me. I love. Uh, 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 audience interaction. So we kind of like added some funny bits into our little gig where, you know, like I'll pop out with something and it's mostly misdirection stuff, but when I pop out, you know, it's, it gets a good laugh for the, for the people. Like he does a, a linking rings trick and, uh, uh, he starts to have problems taking the rings apart. You know, he's like, Oh, I can't get them out. So I pop out with like a bolt cutter saying I'm going to cut them apart. <laughs> You know, uh, and and it gets a really good laugh, and everybody likes it. And and he doesn't turn around; like he's just like, man, I don't. I, well, let's figure this out, and I'll, and I'll shake my head and walk off. You know that kind of thing. Okay, it's a little you know little shtick kind of stuff, and it's funny, and and people like it. So you know, I, I and, dig that kind of stuff. And and as a performer, thank you for doing the tech stuff because oh, I have welcome. a degree in communication and media arts and. That was the part that I hated in the like <laughs> curriculum. It was like you'd sit there and they go, "Oh, we're going to work in the TV studio today. Here's the light board," and I'm like punching in because it was digital, and it's like, yeah. uh, three lights up forty percent, third <laughs> light down twenty percent, and a so and so." And I'm like, "Uh, no. <laughs> we're going to sit you in front of the DAT board, and you can you can play with the sound." And no, no. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's uh it's pretty tedious, but it, it's it it makes everything look nice, you know. It it, it does, but it's like sort of like you. some some performers forget to like thank the people that do that stuff. It's because yeah. it's so invisible to the audience, right? You know, when it works well. Well, that's in exactly what you're looking for too to be to be kind of invisible. Yeah, yeah. For and, sure. and that's how I, that's how we are. Because, like I said, we, I usually sit on the side. I bring him like his little props every once in a while, and and things like that. Or or I'll push a table out with certain things on it, you know, while he's changing or doing what he's got to do. And and like I said, we don't we don't use huge props. And everything that he has, he built. So mm -hmm. it's it's not like you know it's not like it's a bunch of star store bought magic tricks. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's everything that he does and. um I find it it's it's really fun. I enjoy the hell out of the show. I wish we could get back to doing them, you know. But yeah. with, with all this, you know, COVID stuff and everything like that, we've kind of been on on hiatus. I mean, we yeah. did, you know. Luckily, he um, he's also my boss, and um, he uh, he he's a veterinarian. And so, what we did is our last show we did, we decided to convert the entire hospital into a parlor. Mm. So we put up curtains across the whole hospital inside all the way around, blacked out the entire like waiting room and in had people come in through the back door, like a hallway all the way into the front lobby and made it look really cool, like a real like indoor lo um, parlor. And we had, we served, you know, uh, drinks and stuff as well and this and that and it was really cool it was a very very cool setup so hopefully we get to do those again because it was uh yeah. it was fun and and it was sure. it was really uh easy for us to do you know sounds cool I, I think that i think that any i didn't want to cut i sound like i cutted you off there but oh you're uh, fine okay i i think anybody that does spookier style magic they're sort of a um, a sort of a inherent knowledge if you create the stuff yourself if your hands have actually worked building it and things like that you know it better than if you purchased something yes. from someone that is you know three shades away from you and i got yelled at by a bunch of people when i did a lecture one time fellow magicians because i said it's my feeling that magic tricks should not come with scripts Oh yeah, hundred percent. And they, they go, should, they should go. No, what are you talking about? Like, how are we going to do it? I go. Uh, it should come with this is the prop, this is how it works, and this is how you don't break your three hundred dollar prop. Right, and that's it. <laughs> the rest of the stuff is you. 
I said, because if, if I put a script in there written by me, you're performing as me. So right. you should figure it out yourself. And they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I agree yeah, with you hundred percent. I've, I've, I've seen people get sawn in half before, but I mean, I don't ever see him do it the same way. Yeah. You know, and a, a lot of that is the presentation of it. And I think, you know, you know, they're going to go back together. I mean, it's, it's yeah. one of those things, but it's not just about that. It's not about the, the cause and effect. It's about what happens in the middle that you make it entertaining. Yeah. Well, sometimes they don't go back together. There used to be a gentleman named Richie Artie that used to do uh, a big buzzsaw illusion. Oh, <laughs> and he would, he would bring, he would bring people around and he'd like walk somebody through the audience and he made it look like an, like a hospital type setting and he'd walk somebody through and they had this stuff that smelled like ether. Oh, And so they'd leave this weird hospital smell in the audience and then he'd do the thing and the saw would stop and there'd be blood shooting out all over and then he'd separate her and these intestines would fall on the floor and he'd go, I'm sorry you had to witness that. This evening we had an accident <laughs> and it's even harder because she was my daughter. Oh my God. And he'd walk off and that was it. She was dead and it was an accident and that's it. <laughs> it <was> like... <laughs> <laughs> Talk about shock and awe. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I've I've seen I, I I didn't I've seen Penn and Teller do that with the mm -hmm. uh, with the big saw blade thing, and that was cool. But of course, they put people together. They didn't they didn't leave yeah. them dead, but you know, and they kind of you know Penn and Teller are known for being the guys who expose magic tricks, sure. And uh, a lot of magicians can't stand them, but I think they're I I think they're very good. And and, and honestly, if if it wasn't for guys like them or uh, even even like David Blaine and 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 um, uh, Chris Angel, yeah, the rock star guy, and this and that. Chris yeah. Angel, David Copperfield, yeah, like, th well, those guys actually keep the magic in the world. Like people, that you know, I mean, they're they keep it in the um, uh, audiences' the eyes, you know, audience yeah. eyes. It's in it a period because when you look at it, we had first we had like sort of Blackstone, which was the gentleman right. of magic. Right. That was in my a, favorite as a kid. I had his I had his magic kit. Yes. And he was in a tuxedo and he was this grand gentleman. And then we went to like the early part of the 70s and we got Doug Henning, yes. who was this weird child of magic and everything was ooh magic, you know, it was because mm. everything is is freaky to kids. And sure. then we had sort of the varsity guy, the early years of David Copperfield, right. where it was, you know, take the girl in your convertible to someplace and show her something cool so you'll have a girlfriend, you know? And then we got to, you know, Chris Angel jumped into it from, from he was a, a musician before he was a magician. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, he, you know, he brought the rock star stuff to it. And then, you know, we have a bunch of other people that are doing, you know, street magic. And David Blaine is taking stuff like that the fakirs over in india you know would do this weird mind over body stuff that right was blended into because to them magic is reality yeah sure. it's not a stage thing so you know my thing it's like i want to i want to blend sort of the adams family with magic so it's creepy <laughs> and you know but it's not creepy to me because that's the world i live in right you know and if i did a sawing in half i'd, I'd probably preface it by going uh, can I have a volunteer? You know, once I put her on the sawing in half table, I go, I always wondered what humans looked like on the inside. Let's see. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now, are you, are, would you say that you are uh, fully immersed uh, as, a, as a magician in a lifestyle that you lead as well? Or is it? Mm -hmm. you're on? Okay. Yeah, most of the people sort of go, you know, when they find out I have another name besides Vlad. You know, because they're introduced to me most of the time as Vlad, and they go, "Who's this pretentious asshole that's calling himself Vlad?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they meet me, and they go, "You know what? I, I wouldn't call you anything else." They're like, "That just name fits you, and you are living that lifestyle like thirty-six hours a day." So yeah, no, that's just you. <laughs> you know what? That's that's that makes life more fun too, doesn't it? It does because you know it's sort of like you know now now all the creepy stuff that I. I like is justified. So. <laughs> see, and look, and, and see, Rome, you have something in common. See, that's why we call you the rum guy, because you live that like 36 hours a day. I do. I, do. I live the rum life. I absolutely do. Oh, my God. You were a pirate in your last life. Exactly. Right? I, I was. Exactly. I was. Arr. 
<laughs> well, I was going to ask you too. Uh, we were talking earlier a little bit about uh, the uh, the people behind the scenes. Uh, do you have anybody that travels with you on a regular basis that that uh, is like an assistant with you for you as well? Not not an assistant because back in the day when I was doing a lot of golf clubs and stuff in New York City, I tried to have an assistant, and she didn't understand work ethic, work ethics and. Mm-hmm. It was sort of, I spent more time trying to corral her and keep her away from the bar and actually trying to work on the show than it wasn't worthwhile. So I was like, you know what, I'm no, I'm just going to, because unless you get really a dedicated crew, there's nobody that cares more about your show than you do. No, that makes sense. Oh yeah. I'm surprised Dr. Joe keeps you around. Ah, Me too. Me too. At work as well. I mean. I'm still amazed that he was able to get you into a cocktail dress. <laughs> it is it is quite um, hard to fit in there because he got me a, like right. two sizes too small. But you know, hey, well, you know, once you see one ball, you see them all, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't get you one of those little cigarette girl things and make right. you walk around and sell souvenirs, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's that's after Souvenir, a while. Party tricks. <laughs> that's not not not. That's we next have, year. We have some cigarettes and card decks. <laughs> card decks, card decks for you. Yeah. If you ask the magician, oh. he will sign them for you. I mean, I do, I do have like I do a lot of stuff with a gentleman named Vince Wilson, that uh, he he's the one that set a lot of the stuff up with the he did the legwork and everything to break ground with the Lord Baltimore and um, I do stuff with the East Coast Spirit Sessions that I put together in Myrtle Beach and he's the one that created Bizarre Haunting so he he sort of finds these things to do like he dragged me out to a uh, sort of paranormal convention out in Mattoon Illinois and he's oh. like oh I got this thing we go to Mattoon and I'm like. I have never heard of Mattoon. And he goes, what do you mean? That's where the mad gasser was. And I go, still not ringing any bells. <laughs> well, he goes, well, we can stop at the Mothman like museum on the way out. And I go, okay. Well, that's, uh, cool. that's a cool one. Uh, actually, Vince is actually coming on the show next week. He'll cool. be, he'll be on, yeah. on the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. So I'd be cool to talk to him about that stuff too. Yeah, he's he's involved in a bunch of stuff. I mean, he's been like doing ghost hunting for a long time, and he does the he does the Edgar Allan Poe ghost tour in Baltimore, and nice, you know, things like that. So, you know, now in for all intents and purposes, for as we know right now, is your January Myrtle Beach thing still going on? No one has told me anything different. I know he sort of he changed the bizarre hauntings thing is now just online, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and the last night he goes, oh, well, you know, what are you doing for Bizarre Hauntings? I go, I, I don't like doing Zoom things. And he's like, well, you're part of, you're, you're a co-host of the convention. You got to do something. I go, I don't like doing Zoom things. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, well, you have to do something. I go, fine. Then put me down for a two-hour question and answer. I said, I'll sit there and they can have a fireside chat with Vlad. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> Ask whatever you want. I'll just sit here and field questions. Because <laughs> I'm, 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 since I'm not too far away, is it, is it a, is it a ticket event? Yeah, it's sort of a registration. But the deal is, it uh, like most other conventions, um, it's a, it's a, we have a one day registration, and then we have the entire run. Okay. The entire run covers like all of the shows, all of the lectures, and things like that. And we have, we have like late night seances and late night shows i mean i don't know or if you're a late person then it's good if you're not a late person probably not that good because we have something <laughs> start at like 11 o'clock at night you know and and then we're back up 10 o'clock in the morning but uh and we also have a hospitality room that has adult beverages and things like that included so well that is that is absolutely amazing and uh, do you do it at the convention center or no we we tried to contact the convention center and uh, they sort of blew us off. They never got back to us. And there was a couple other places. And they were they were more like the golf resorts in Myrtle Beach. Because they're like, oh, we have three five-star restaurants. I go, you're talking to magicians. I'm like, they're happy to get a regular meal. Like sure. I'm some, some of the rest of us are used to your, your lunch for the day is stopping at a rest stop eating beef jerky. So you can get to the next like gig on time. Right. Uh, I'm like. We're not worried about four star. I'm like, it's lovely. And I'm sure some of the like significant others would love that. But, you know, we're not going to pay a premium for that just to. And they go, oh, but our rooms. And I go, once again, 
if we're up from 10 o'clock in the morning until like three o'clock in the morning, we're not spending a lot of time in the hotel room to really worry about it. So we found a place called, um, there's two hotels that are attached. One's the ocean dunes and one's the sand dunes down there on 75th off of ocean Boulevard. Yes. I know it well. uh, And that's where we do it. And they ended up working out a deal with us for like oceanside rooms where you can sit on your balcony and stare at the ocean and they end up like the hotel rooms are 59 bucks or so. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, a lot of people, I mean, they came from, some people come from like England and Colorado and stuff like that, where it's, you know, in January it's, it's minus 10. Right. Yeah. So, So for them to come here and it be like 55 degrees and they can go sit on the beach with a bottle of wine and watch the water you know, and, and other, we had one of the guests from Colorado and she goes, I've never actually had fresh seafood. Wow. wow. And I had to stop and think because, you know, I grew up in New York and then I moved to Massachusetts and then down here to North Carolina. So I've never been any place that the water wasn't, you know, within our, our rocks throw distance. Right. Sure. And I'm like, wow, what do you mean? You've never had fresh seafood. She goes, we're in Colorado. There's no ocean there. And I go, huh? (laughs) <laughs> that's, yeah that's yeah. right isn't it <laughs> it's like as close you get as red lobster yeah and that and that's I'm you know sorry. semi-french you know like, i'm sorry no no i can no i can make some things disappear red lobster i know that yeah no, so can i yeah people like the biscuits and stuff they're like mm, sure. cheddar biscuits. I, i'm a fan of the endless shrimp whenever that comes around <laughs> that little market you know it's like hey why don't you come over and eat endless shrimp i remember one time i went over there to eat that and um the waiter just kept bringing us, bringing me shrimp, and he didn't even he didn't even ask me what kind I want. He's like, "Here, I'm just gonna bring you a little bit of everybody, like every <laughs> 20 minutes, okay? All right, cool." So he just start. I mean, the guy got a really good tip. <laughs> sure. <laughs> See, I'm a little disappointed when I moved down here because I was, I love lobster. Uh huh. And and living in Massachusetts, where you have Massachusetts and you know Maine right there, right? Um, I'm used to lobster. So when I moved to North Carolina, you know, when I go to Red Lobster or someplace else, they, I, you know, and you order lobster, the first time I saw it, and I go, so this is a shrimp. Where's the lobster? Right. <laughs> and they go, no, that's the lobster. And I go, really? Because it's a three-ounce this- tail. Yeah, and I was, like, looking at it, and I go, where I used to live, this is food for those lobsters. <laughs> like, yeah. But- and you pay, it's, it's and you pay a premium for it, too. Yeah, and where I lived in, I, I lived in. I lived in, I could, I could never afford to actually live within Salem proper. So I lived in a place called Haverhill where Rob Zombie was from. Nice. And, and then I lived in North Andover and then I lived in, uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. So all of those were sort of on the outskirts of Salem. But, uh, in Lowell, I mean, when they had, it was lobster season, you could get a steamed lobster from the grocery store. They'd steam it for you. And it was like $5. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I used and to I, get buckets of those things, and when we go up to Maine, I'd get the five dollar lobster lunches. Yeah. Because then you could then you sit there and you go, hmm, I could get a burger from McDonald's or I can eat a lobster. Right, hard right. choice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and then nowadays you can't even get a burger for that price. No. Now the value menu, I looked at it yesterday. It's like the value member was like approaching. It's like, oh, three bucks is the cheapest. You know, it yeah, used to be a, a buck or so. <laughs> you know, it, it was like 10 items on there that were a dollar. You could eat, you know, all of them for 10 bucks. And then now it's like you can get three. <laughs> it's the same way when you go into like a bookstore and, you, you know, you're used to, you know, magazines costing. Fangoria used to be like two ninety nine. Yeah, now And you look at most of the magazines now, they're like $10 and up. It's fucking exactly. crazy. But, yeah. I mean, you know, that's also because it's a dying medium. Like, most people aren't yeah. going to use paper anymore. You know, it's all digital right. and this and that. And, like, and, and same with, like, comic books, man. I remember buying comic books for $0.75. Cents. Yep. You know, and then now it's it's like four dollars a a pop. I'm like, but there's like, you know, I know I understand the convenience of the digital medium and everything with like comics and other things, but there is something that people are missing out on when you used to go to a store and pick a comic book up and just like the feeling of the pages. Yeah. Like looking through, sitting yeah. there reading them, you know, and of course we wanted to rip out half of the pages in the back and send away for an atomic submarine or a six foot tall Frankenstein or something, but you know, 
Those were the time. days, man. Order, I, I wanted shit. a live monkey, but you know, I never got the live monkey. You couldn't. <laughs> well, every time you would order, it would come dead. <laughs> no, nah, it's just it was my my parents just would never like put it in the mail. They go, no, we're not having a monkey. And I go, but I can dress them up. They're like, yeah, monkeys throw stuff all over them. I'm like, yeah, so do kids, but <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> well, what uh, as as doing the shows and everything, coming back into that, the. Um, what would you say? I mean, I, I'm sure you've had some interesting audiences, but what was would you say has been one of the most bizarre shows that you've ever been a part of? Mm. I mean, I've or done have, or have you or have you had that that ever happen? I mean, most of the places I've performed at were kind of weird themselves. I mean, I've sure. gotten I've gotten to do off Broadway plays where I did a, a, a three or four different vampire plays that were off Broadway. Oh. Uh, I got invited by MGM Studios to do the magic portion of the VIP party for Clive Barker when they premiered Lord of Illusions. Oh, that's oh, very cool. So, so it was like they were really nervous about that because Clive Barker had painted the dra- the backdrops. So they were like, um, you're not going to do anything that's going to damage these backdrops because Clive himself painted them. And I'm like... Uh, Diamanda Gallus is coming on after me. I think you have to worry more about her throwing something on the curtain <laughs> than you do me. Yeah. So I got to do that, which was a lot of fun because that was my one foray into big scale illusions. I was doing it down at a place called Webster Hall in New York City. Mm. And um, they were like, oh, we want you to recreate, you know, the, the sword scene. And I'm like, yeah, what's your budget? And they go, oh, I go, we're not recreating the sword scene then. If you <laughs> hem and haw about the budget, uh, I'm not building an illusion like where you're not going to want to pay for it. Right, exactly. So I, up, so I ended up doing a cremation, which to me, justifiably, if I'm going to do a cremation, if I'm the vampire, I should be the one that's cremated. Right. Okay. But most magic illusion blueprints are made for five foot tall, like 85 pound cheerleaders. Right. Sure. So now being like six foot tall and, and not weighing 80 pounds, I have to upsize all of the illusions like specifics and reinforce all of the things. And my friend goes, oh, well, to uh, make sure everything stays where it's supposed to be, I think we should build this in three quarter inch plywood. So now we have something that's uh, five feet wide and six feet long. And weighs almost 200 pounds. Right. Yeah. And and so we get to Webster Hall and we find out there is no elevator. Oh, (laughs) shit. So, So we're carrying this illusion up to the second floor. Wow. Which is why I never after that did. illusions (laughs) illusions <laughs> like no i would have left it, it there yeah you, you can uh, have this yeah yeah well it was like they they were all happy to have us there and everything else and then once we were done they were like yeah can you get that off the stage next act's coming on uh and i'm like can we have three minutes to break this down they go no take it off the stage and break it down Wow. Yeah, yeah, we we dealt with that in a few performances that we've had where they were like, "Okay, time to get up, let's get blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Damn, motherfucker, it takes me more ten more than 5 seconds to break down the curtains, take all the lights down, do all, you know, that's a lot of work." Yeah, and it was like, you know, they showed us, "Oh, so here, here's the green room for you here and there's a basket of goodies and stuff like that." And then a minute and a half when our performance was done, it's not your green room anymore. Get your stuff out of here and get off the stage. I'm like, okay. surprised they didn't say this is not your bag of goodies anymore. Yeah, Next. pretty much. Uh, but, you know, the people I had with me had already made off with everything that was in the basket before they had a chance to say that. <laughs> good, good. It was. I don't drink beer, but when it like you know, a couple of people that were working with me to like help me on that show, you know, filled their pockets with everything that wasn't bolted down. So <laughs> that's what you got to do. Yeah, I think that was their thing. They're like, you know what, roadies like make off with stuff so (laughs) art art is a struggle yeah they're like we're monkeys we just take everything that's not attached (laughs) see you did get your live monkey that's it i I didn't get to dress him up like i wanted to though i wanted like the little hotel costume (laughs) (laughs) little symbols just going yeah yeah Uh, 
Man, but before we uh, we we call this uh, show a show and close up, let everybody know where they can find you and like all your uh, URLs and websites. And I know you find me. I know you can find me on Facebook on as the Gothic Magic of Vlad, which is fairly easy to remember. The Gothic Mm -hmm. Magic of Vlad, and uh, online at gothicmagic.com. There you go. There you go. And if they have any interest in the other thing, the East Coast Spirit Sessions also has a Facebook page. And we will try and update everybody about what's happening and whether we're going to actually, by the grace of South Carolina, like be able to do it or they're going to tell us, yeah, no. I mean, they've they've kept the bars open and everything else there. So we're hoping that they're not going to come down on, you know, live live entertainment <laughs> please, please let me know since i'm yeah. just just south of you here at holden beach i'm okay. pretty much not far from the line of south carolina here in north carolina uh p- yeah please let me know if it's going to be going on not just for me but I'd, I'd love to promote it uh on the islands and things like that and and see if we would get some traffic that way yeah too. reach out to me on facebook too so then i can keep track of like you know how to get you the information and all the other good stuff we'll do so, we'll do Everybody interconnect on there because that's the way, like to me, that's the electronic post-it board. You just like yeah. sort of put it up there and when people get an opportunity, they read it. So, so. there you go. But so cool. nice. So, so very, very nice to have you on the show. We really appreciate yes. you, you taking yeah, the time. That was fun. And, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think you've got uh, a heck of a year coming up after all this crap is done. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll keep people going and, you know, I appreciate you having me on and hopefully, uh, I've like shared some interesting stuff with you. you Hell yeah. You definitely have. So yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on again and, uh, you are always welcome on the show. If you want to come back and just talk and hang out with us, please feel free, man. We'd love to have you back. It was a great time. I'd love to have a a group of you like you and and another magician and and maybe along the same, uh, you know, I just think that would be so great to get those perspectives back and forth and the different things. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. Sure. Maybe we could do it on the, uh, the ghost grabber show. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. All right. Very cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I was your host, Wayne. And I'm the rum guy. And I'm flat. And remember to keep it, keep it, keep it, keep metal! That's it. Get-